Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. As always, thank you, every single one of you, for listening all around the world. I really appreciate it. Okay, folks, I, you know, as you know, I say it a million times, but I love doing this podcast because I'm able to meet passionate people all around the world who are making a difference for animals and they're being their voice. And I'll tell you what, the lady I have on today's show is that and more. She's so passionate and I just had such a good time talking to her. So on the show today, we have Aspen and she is the founder of Pounce Conservation. She's a research student and she actually is studying carnivores and particular wolves. All right, sorry about that, you guys. It's Halloween. I know that was kind of cheesy, but hey, we're talking about wolves. Had to insert my wolf howl at least once a year, right? So we talked to Aspen, and you know, she has done so much research just kind of looking at the human and wolf conflict. And as you know, it's one of the greatest human and animal conflicts of all time. And she looks at, you know, the arguments, you know, with hunters against wolves, you know, taking elk to farmers against wolves for taking livestock. And I love this because she backs up her claims with evidence and you know we've always done this with the show i've always wanted to try to make sure we have sound conversations on the show to where we're not 100% one-sided you know tree-hugging hippie people i don't know why i had to bring hippies into this but whatever so i what i'm trying to say is that i want anyone to be able to listen to this whether you're pro wolf or whether you're anti wolf to be able to look and say okay i'm going to listen to this let's look at the facts and historically our wolf episodes have done great they're you know really highly rated on the show i started out season 1 we did wolves with maggie from the wolf conservation center uh, that's episode 10 we also did a follow-up wolves part two episode 11 where i interviewed a hunter yeah that was interesting so definitely go check out those past episodes we also just did one this this season episode 78 with chris and angie from the all creatures podcast regarding the great wolf debate now i know that sounds like a lot of you know oversaturation but let me tell you Listen to this interview because I promise you will learn new information. We actually dive deeper into it. And I know maybe you guys are like, well, how you know much deeper can you get? We do it. And I actually learned so much, you know, just information, a lot of new info there. So if you love wolves, you're going to definitely love this episode. Before we get to it, as always, uh, you know, make sure to follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and keep those iTunes reviews coming. They're oh, just, they're actually, um, the iTunes reviews keep on coming in, which is awesome. So I appreciate it. Remember, with each iTunes review, I will do a personal shout out with one of the animals minus the alligators because that just, yeah, I'd like to keep all my hands. And some other, I guess some kind of uh, cleaning out uh, some information here. We just started doing more YouTube videos. So you now can find our YouTube videos. They're just kind of short clips, but I'm going to start being more present on that platform. To be honest, I was, I don't know, a little absent for a few months just because the podcast has kind of taken a lot of my attention, but I thought, you know what? I still need to continue to produce weekly videos, so I'm sharing weekly clips, and I will actually start a vlog, which is so funny because it was funny. I was talking to my wife's sister, and I was like, I can't wait to start a vlog, and she's like, uh, Corbin, it's called a vlog, and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm gonna start a weekly vlog, so if I don't have enough stuff to do, I'm gonna start doing that along with the podcast, so look for those. Make sure to check those out. And as always, share the episode with friends and family. That's just how we get the podcast out there. With that said, I hope you enjoy my interview with Aspen from Pounce Conservation. Aspen, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I know. And we actually connected through Instagram, which is crazy. I love Instagram, how it just connects people from all around the world. Yeah, it's it's definitely been probably the best way I've been able to communicate and talk to and educate people about wolves and everything else has just been social media. It has its faults for sure, but yeah. overall it's been so helpful. Yeah, and you responded because we did an episode with my friends from Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast. We talked about yeah. wolves and you commented mm -hmm. and you sounded so educated and so knowledgeable. I was like, hey, why don't you just come on the show? And you're like... <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, why not? So uh, the funny thing is I had actually been asked to do another podcast. It was, um, I don't even know the name of it, honestly. It was uh, a hunter that I had not been getting along with super well. 
But uh, for a second, I was like, you know what? That's that's fine. He said he wanted to do like uh, multiple sides of this wolf issue kind of thing, and I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And then as I started getting closer, it just it started to sound a little suspicious, and um, I pretty much found out that it was about to be a setup with like three other um, like hunters who are super anti predator. And I mean, I know my stuff, but I can only do so much. Oh. at one single time so i backed out and i'm so glad i did so oh, this, wow. i was so much i was so looking forward to it when you said come on the, come on the podcast i was like great okay. someone who likes animals <laughs> hold on let me introduce the wolf hunter online too uh <laughs> just <laughs> ambush no. you know what's so funny Not another one <laughs> i know right you know that would have been good though i have i actually had a hunter on my show um, it was during the, my first season I had a hunter on, not a wolf hunter per se, but a hunter. And that was interesting. It was kind of interesting to see like the sides, a different take. And that was wolves part yeah. two, actually. Yeah. But, um, so actually, um, part of what I like really try to do is I try to have open conversations with everyone. So conservationists, people who love animals, vegetarians, but also hunters and ranchers and people who might not necessarily like it's not exactly what you talk about conservation with all the time, exactly. And um, that's why a lot of people say, like, why do you use, like, wolf hunter or um, big game hunting tags on your posts? And um, <laughs> some of them are like, get off of our hashtag. And then sometimes um, they're just like, why would you do that? It just inspires a lot of negativity. And I'm like, it does inspire a lot of negativity. And it's not easy. But what it also does is it opens up a bigger audience because there's so many sides to it. It's not just black and white. So it, I've talked to ranchers. I've talked to hunters. I've talked to hunters who love wolves and hate wolves. I've just talked to basically every single like combination of people. And that's like, it's really helped me as I continue my research and what I do. Absolutely. And let's actually back up. Cause people are like, wait, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> so you are the founder of pounce, uh, uh, conservation and you are a carnivore biologist, correct? Yes. I'm a research student and I specialize in carnivores. Oh, this is so cool. I cannot wait to talk to you. So has it, <laughs> has it always been carnivores? And by the way, folks, you can't see Aspen, but she has a tattoo. What is that? A, a paw print of a, I have, so I have eight tattoos and all of them except for one involve animals. Um, this one's a, uh, I have a claw from Brother Bear on my shoulder. Okay. There's a cheetah here. Oh, there. I didn't even see the cheetah. Yeah. Look at the eyes. <laughs> oh my God, that they did a really good job. Yeah, that one was really cool. Um, okay. These are these are you can't really tell here. These are two wolves. Okay. And it's a girl in here. That one has a snake on it. Oh. This is my new. I just got this like two weeks ago. What is this guy? Oh so. wow. Okay. Interesting. So it's, yeah, it's a girl who's running, and there's two wolves and a hyena and a cheetah running behind her, beside her. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so well, I got I... that one um, also because I went to Tanzania. Oh, very cool, which I cannot wait to talk about. So it has always been carnivores. And by the way, I, I hope your passion doesn't fade away because your tattoos won't. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I don't think I've loved animals since I was little. And actually, the funny thing is, when I was about five, I had a obsession with deer i don't know why but i loved deer and antelope anything that looked like a deer and so that meant that my like five-year-old self hated anything that ate them okay. and so it's so funny like 15 20 years later it's kind of just been in full reversal where now i'm just like oh my god people are just complaining about elk just <laughs> not not my five-year-old self would be so upset honestly <laughs> no, you're a carnivore biologist yeah so, betrayal <laughs> so so your so your main focus is wolves correct yes okay right now yes so let's talk about wolves and you know what it's so funny because well it's not funny but i'm in idaho which is not a very wolf friendly yeah, place no, i joke with my friends it's not a joke but kind of is i say idaho is my least favorite state and then i was like looking at your all of your updates with all the reptiles and i was thinking you know what Idaho got slightly better. Thank you. <laughs> we really have alligators. <laughs> uh, there's finally people in Idaho who like, like animals. And by like animals, I don't mean you love elk so much that you're mad that you can't hunt as many. That doesn't make sense to me. But yeah. Yeah. So Idaho is just, it's a special place. It is. I mean, I feel beautiful. it is beautiful. I wish I could show you. It's like dark right now. But yeah, no, it, it, it is beautiful. And 
there's just this love-hate relationship. And I feel like in Idaho, I live out in like farm country. I feel like it's mostly hate. North or south? So I'm actually south. So I am. Yeah. So I'm southwestern. So I'm actually an hour outside of Boise, almost near the Oregon border. Oh, oh, so you're not in wolf territory then. Well, Well, no. Yeah. Hold on. So here's the deal, though, which is insane. So I live near, I can see from my house, the Owyhee Mountains are completely mm-hmm. bare, right? Hardly any trees. I can't see anything. And apparently there are wolves in the Owyhee Mountains. Yeah. It's insane. So when you said Southwest, at first I said that, no, they're not really down there. But then I remember, I'm trying to like, <laughs> I have all these like maps like memorized into my head. They've actually been starting to like come down a little bit lately. And it makes sense that they're in the mountains instead of... Um, more populated areas. They, they're not coyotes. They don't do well with suburbs or yeah. people. <laughs> don't blame them. Yeah. So when did the fascination with wolves like start? Like how old were you? Cause you said you like deer and then that switched. And <laughs> then, yeah. So how did that, how'd you go from deer to then wolves uh, and then to being uh, so passionate? So I think the first time I started liking carnivores was I was homeschooled through eighth grade. And um, so while I was doing my work a lot of times, so the, um, national zoo, um, if you don't know, they have um, webcams for some of the animals. They have a lot fewer now, but they used to have so many. And I remember I was in seventh or eighth grade, and they had a litter of uh, cheetah cubs born. And they had a camera on, like, the inside of the enclosure, which is probably used for the keepers, too, but they had it public. Mm-hmm. And so I literally would sit for hours and hours and hours and hours and do my homework and keep the camera up and write down little notes about all the um, – like the five cubs, the mom, like what they were doing. Um, so that was my, I think that was my first like fascination with carnivores and I kind of kept going. I, um, in high school in the first couple years of college, I actually shifted away from animals. Like I loved them still, but career wise, I thought about being a psychologist and then like a forensic, um, uh, like a criminal psychologist. Oh. Then I realized, then I realized people suck. <laughs> and I switched. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I can't do this. Okay. So you went back. So you went back to working with I went animals. Back to animals. I went back to animals. Um, and then okay. my sophomore year of college, I, um, I wanted to get involved in biology more. And um, I was told one of the professors, because uh, I was still obsessed with cheetahs at that point. Mm-hmm. I kind of went back to that. So he uh, does work in, with African animals and ecosystems. And so I basically started just coming to meetings, like lab meetings and stuff. And I kind of became more entranced and more entranced and more entranced. And um, my researcher was originally supposed to do uh, behavioral assays on uh, big cats, technically okay. big cats and lesser cats. Um, but that fell through. And I was kind of just looking online i was literally just surfing the internet for animals because that's what normal people do (laughs) and uh i was looking at um something with wolves and livestock something came up and they were uh it was an article that was um saying that wolves are like ruining the ranching business and all this and i thought well that's kind of strange i don't know like an abundant amount of about wolves but that doesn't seem right there's not that many of them so i kind of kept diving and diving and diving and um, I also have ADHD, so that means when I find something fascinating, I will, like, siphon into it and not move. <laughs> so I think I stayed for, like, that first, like, four or five hours just searching and searching and searching for information about wolves and livestock. I ended up making just a pre- PowerPoint presentation just, like, off the top just because I was just so fascinated. Uh-huh. And I ended up finding that, um, like, wolves nationwide only really, really account for, like, 0.02% of every livestock loss yes hold on let's let's get to that that shocked me because i like i said on that podcast with chris and angie from all creatures podcast Mm -hmm. we were looking at stats and you know and we're all scientists and we're looking at papers and they said less than one percent and i was like wait a second what yeah and then people are like well you can't really like look across the country because wolves are only in eight states and now they're siphoning into like two others but mainly eight states right now i'm like okay fair point let's just look at those states and still it's between like 0.1% 0.1% and like four to six percent max in some of um some of those states, but even then it's like in general less than two percent for even like the highly populated wolf states. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that had like triggered just inspiration to keep researching, and it grew and it grew and it grew, and I finally just turned it into my research project. Wow, 
That is insane. And, and where are you currently going to school? Wake Forest University and North Carolina. In North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so you do this presentation and what are the things like, I mean, let's just talk about some things and I, I know we've covered this, but some of the misconceptions about wolves, what is like the number oh. one thing you wish I I'll, I'll tell you my, in Idaho, the number, number one thing people say is we should never have introduced a different species, the, the, oh, the Canadian God. wolf yes. into the state. <laughs> oh my gosh. The wrong wolf. Oh my gosh. If I had a dollar for every time. Oh, yeah. I could pay the people off to stop talking, but, <laughs> but no, so that is a big myth and it's a fair, it's a fair point. And the get go, like, did you, if an invasive animal comes in, of course, it's very damaging. Like pythons in Florida, they're a disaster. Cats have from people bringing them on ships have made birds extinct. So, I mean, it's a fair point, except it's completely wrong. Um, so it's wolf subspecies are a very difficult, um, <laughs> area of science just because they were exterminated. They had huge ranges. There's coyotes, so there could have been hybridization. And with domestic dogs, um, there's they have a huge variation. Like they can be white, they can be gray, they can be black, they can be every color in between. Um, like um, animals on the coast are, are typically not scrawnier, but not quite as fluffy. Mm -hmm. um, they have different behaviors, but they're still technically the same animal. And um, so technically, if you want to go from like the top layer of why the myth is wrong, it's technically they're all the same species. It's conus lupus. That's it. Um, what people are thinking of more is a subspecies. Mm -hmm. um, so that um, that would be more like a black rhino versus a white rhino. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, still, they have different behaviors. A lot of times, like grizzly bear is technically a brown bear, but mm -hmm. they're very different. But... Um, so the wolves that were exterminated in the 50s, so sorry, before the 50s, like the 20s, um, they were, they ranged from, it was Nubilis, um, and there was, um, Nubilis was the Great Plains wolf. Oh, so, um, okay. What people don't understand is, yes, there was, it's called, um, oh my goodness, I believe it's Eremotus. Eremotus is the uh, Rocky Mountain wolf that people always say, that's the smaller one, that's the one that's not as aggressive or as big, and that's the one we should have brought in. Well, first of all, there weren't enough of them left. Uh -huh. um, and two, people say that the bigger wolf from Canada is taking more of the resources because it's bigger and lives in bigger packs. But what people don't realize is there is another subspecies, um, Nubilis, that also went extinct by the 20s. It's called the Great Plains Wolf, called the Buffalo Wolf, um, for a reason. It was giant. <laughs> it was as big as the Canadian wolves. Um, and they were buffalo hunters. That's what they specialized in. Okay. So this ecosystem, like Idaho, especially that plains area, the Rockies, already had multiple subspecies of wolves. And not only that, one of them was big. <laughs> and not also only that, it was already starting to drive the smaller one down. Okay. So it was already starting to um, overpopulate um, over that smaller subspecies, just naturally. Um, but then, of course, humans came in, got rid of all of them. And um, for the Yellowstone and the Idaho and Montana, that um, protected area reintroduction in 1995, they kind of decided to pick Occident Occidentalis nice. <laughs> and the Northern Canadian wolf. Woohoo! It's also called the Mackenzie Valley wolf. There's a jillion names just to make our lives harder. The subspecies have a jillion names. Um, so they brought that one in. It was the most plentiful. You can't, there was, there were some wolves left from extermination. Um, when people say they were completely gone from the lower 48, that is not strictly true. Um, some survived in Northern Minnesota. Um, very highly likely they kind of kept crossing the border over to very Northern Montana. Um, and so guess what those wolves were? <laughs> those were also Occidentalists. They were coming, they were already coming down. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And so they've already been kind of moving around. Mm -hmm. And the ones, um, the ones on the coast of like Pacific, the Pacific states like Oregon and Washington, um, those uh, tend to be ge directly genetically related to the ones from Canada. Okay. So um, those are literally just crossing the border, oh. um, but they're also starting to mix in with the reintroduced ones. But again, they're all the same species of animal. Uh -huh. um, and even if. I always like to use this as like a caveat just in case people are like, well, you can't prove that, which again, it's genetics. It's, it's still like a very new science and process. 
But there's also this um, rule called Bergman's rule. Okay. Oh my God, you're taking me yeah. back. You're taking oh, me yeah. back. Okay, I'll go let ahead. You on <laughs> basically states that especially for larger animals the bigger the animal even if it's the same species they find them at higher latitudes that's why like polar bears are giant um and then you kind of get smaller as you go down um it works the same thing so let's just say hypothetically the wrong wolf i'm using quotations was brought in it was bigger as it's coming down and reintroduced into Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, it is naturally going to adjust to that ecosystem and gradually get smaller um, mm-hmm. just to fit in with that like ecological niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, um, so when they were first reintroduced, their population exploded. And people are like, oh my gosh, they're out of control. That's also very natural. So um, when you bring these wolves into Yellowstone, it's heaven, it's paradise. There's so much food to go around. And when that happens, um, when there's even more resources than normal, um, multiple females may even breed. So typically just the breeding male and one female are the breeders. Um, but if there's a time of plenty, sometimes they breed more. And mm-hmm. so there's a big population boom. And so they're spreading out. But as that happens, wolves are very territorial. Um, the biggest natural killer of wolves is other wolves. Um, they're very territorial. The, um, a dispersing wolf has a 50% chance of dying in its first year oh, as it's coming up. Oh, my God. Looking for its own territory. Okay. Yeah, just by wolves. If they step onto a territory that's not theirs, um, there's, there's a chance that they won't kill it. But there's also a very good chance that they will. So as that happens, we saw in Yellowstone as the um, first couple of years, the population boomed. Okay. And then, so they recorded in Lamar Valley the biggest wolf pack ever recorded. It was the Lamar Valley wolves, like 40 wolves. 40 but in a pack? 40. It was a lot. They were they were quite the team. Wow. Um, but um, today, it's gone all the way back down just because there's this limited area. Part of that's because there's no buffer zone. It's out of yellow. So as soon as a wolf steps out, it's um, it's it can be killed. So there's a bit of that probably involved. But also, it's just because there's now a limited resource. There's too many wolves now. They start killing each other. Um, they don't have as much prey to go around. Uh, so only one female will probably breed. So that's just a perfect example of how nature balances itself out. Like the elk and the deer, they're going to be fine. The wolves cannot physically kill all of them because then the wolves will die. Yeah. And everything will, like, stabilize you know, yeah, it's, in, in yeah. nature. So when did they start? Was it in 2011 or 2012 when they started um, having open season here in the States? Like Idaho, Wyoming, in Montana? Uh, 2009. 2009. Okay. Let's see. Let me confirm. Let's confirm <laughs> this. Uh, yes. So Idaho in 2009 had one. Um, From our lovely why, governor. I'm so happy uh, he's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Wyoming did not have Wyoming took until 2009. No, Wyoming took until 2012 to have yeah, one. That's what I thought. Um, and then I should know these, but there's eight of these states and so, so many variables I've been testing. Uh, Montana had one in 2009. They were delist or they were brought back to the endangered species list. Um, and or they had no harvest season in 2010. Then it picked back up oh. and it has not stopped since. Um, yeah, it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> that first year that um Idaho had a an open season wolf hunt, um they they got rid of a good solid 20 to 30% of their wolves of their known wolf population. Oh. It, yeah, it was it's it's it, it was bad. Did they uh, did they and they obviously did tags, right? So how many tags did they give out? Do we know or and you don't have to I mean uh, I know it's hard. I but. don't know that number by heart. Um I do not know that one by heart. But I do know that another problem with Idaho is that for the Endangered Species Act, they are required for five years after that is delisted for the state management to report to make a report for five years. Um so wolf population, breeding pairs, because you have to have X amount. It's a ludicrously low amount of animals to keep that state um, delisting, and they can manage their own wolves. For Idaho, it's 150 wolves. That is it. That's all they have to keep and prove. And I believe it's about 15 breeding pairs that successfully raise a litter. Um, yeah, so all they have to do is keep it at 150. And when they were delisted, they were had a 
about probably about 250, 300 wolves. They shot it down. So, no um, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Did not mean to do that one. But, <laughs> but in 2009, they had um, – so what I, when I look at data, I'll do what's called a start of year wolf population. So states usually require the minimum. Um, and it's not helpful for me. So I usually add back all the more known mortalities to get a better estimate. Um, that also helps people who say that it's an underestimation. But in 2009, Idaho, they had about 1,100 wolves in 2009, and then okay. it plummeted after that. And um, now they're about, the last count was like barely over 900. Really? And yeah, but the problem is that they, uh, after those five years, so 2016 was the last year they had a report. So I really don't even have data from 2017, 2018. Because they don't even have to report it anymore. <sighs> so, okay. yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a lot to kind of <laughs> take in. Let's get into the let's look on the other side of the wolf hunters. Because you said that you are a big advocate in hearing both sides, trying to have sound conversations. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that from from yeah. a hunter standpoint. Because it sounds like you've had several of these conversations. So the hunters main. Uh, problem with wolves across anywhere is that they're getting rid of all the elk and the deer hunting opportunities. Um, they're killing them. They're killing them for fun. That's another myth entirely different topic. The thing about that is I'm not completely anti-hunter and the fact that, of course, I love animals. I would have a hard time doing it. But when it's done, especially for food, it's done ethically, I understand. Especially venison is a super nutritious meat. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people who live in rural areas, um, either it's just a better food source for them or going out and getting a huge bull elk yeah. is so cost efficient. Um, so I do understand that. Well, that, um, and, the, and I just want to add in the animals have a better life than factory farmed animals. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's much more ethical if you hunt properly, of course, Yeah. to, to shoot an animal than to eat beef that's been processed through the horrible factory farm. Yeah. Um, so that I do get. I'm not, it's like a lot of people say well, you're like super vegan. I'm, like, I'm not even vegan. I'm not. It's <laughs> um, <but, yeah. laughs> just a stereotype I'm with not. like the it's long hair and, and like tattoos. Like vegans, and like... And vegans and PETA. I don't like PETA. It's, um, so that's why like, I also feel like I'm a pretty good person for this issue just because. I'm not completely one-sided. But anyway, um, people or hunters who don't like wolves are mostly because they think they're getting rid of their food supply, their culture, per se. Um, And what I tell people is, no, they're not getting rid of them. The wolves are not destroying your elk. And one big – so I kind of got tired of Idaho at one point. I had a couple people who were not very kind. So I kind of just got sick of it. And I finally just did like – long bit of research about um who's actually killing all these all these elk and every single year since wolf reintroduction hunters have killed more elk than the wolves have oh of course. every single year and people are like no that's not right i'm like no oh no it is <laughs> um, because what i did is basically i multiply i took the highest population year of wolves which is 2013 I multiplied it by about 21, which is what Yellowstone researchers found to be proximate number of elk taken in a year by a wolf. 21, okay, per wolf. Interesting. Uh, prox. Approx, okay. Yeah. Um, it was originally about to be about 15, but they found it was about 21. Okay. So legal uh, age? Uh, yeah, exactly. And but So that comes out to about uh 24,000 elk killed by wolves in 2013 when they're at their highest okay um according to idaho fish and game hunters killed about 26,000 so okay um i always say if you're super duper concerned about the elk maybe just don't go hunting for a while um (laughs) that does not ever that's not ever that's never in the way you want that works yeah um (laughs) Or it's also the, they're killing for fun. Or yeah, I've come across... Yeah, let, let's actually talk about that. Killing for fun. Yeah. Let's get into it right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This is, this is probably the myth I wish people would get the most. And by get, I mean not believe. Okay, great. Um, let's talk about it. Let, let's debunk it right now. <laughs> let's debunk this one. So, um, 
if you come across an elk carcass, even multiple elk carcasses that are just like straight across the ground, maybe only the guts are eaten, the brain, something, maybe nothing is like barely touched right now. Mm-hmm. If you come across that and there's clear signs of wolf tracks, there's clear signs of the head headquarters, my goodness, the hindquarters being slashed, which is how you can differentiate that from a cougar attack because they usually focus on the neck. Um, so if you see that, you see wolves, you're like, okay, why they do this? It looks like they killed for fun and they just left it. Um, but what people don't get is that one, there's a thing called surplus killing. And this is a very common thing across all carnivores, lions, hyenas, tigers, everything. So especially in winter for wolves, they will kill more than they can consume at one time. There's a reason for this because they're also a very much a feast famine animal. Most carnivores are, um, their, um, bodies are designed to be able to handle not a lot of food at one time, in which case they kind of start eating themselves in a way so that they like, they eat their, like they consume their own body fat for, um, for energy. Uh Um, but then they can also take in a lot of meat at one time. Um, so in the winter time is when wolves have a fantastic time because they have ever so slightly webbed feet is what they say. And it basically they work as snowshoes so they can bound through and run pretty decently in deep snow. Elk cannot do that as well. So in the winter, not only are, of course, are the elk having a hard time finding food, but they can't, they don't have as good of an advantage okay. from the wolves as they normally would. So wolves in the winter, especially in areas and times where there's higher levels of snow, they will be able to take down elk more easily, and they will do it. Because one, they don't know when the next meal is going to come from, so they might not eat all that at one time. Or two, if they know they can repeatedly kill these things, why would you, why would anyone want to eat ever, like everything, even like necessarily not the most nutritious parts? So they'll just eat the most nutritious parts because they know they can get something the next day. Um, because just those nutritious parts are enough and they don't need to be eating all the like yucky stuff, quote unquote. And even if they don't, then of course it's nature. Things are going to scavenge from it. Coyotes are going to eat. Foxes are going to eat. Even birds will come and take this, like the suet and, um, use that. So regardless, nature's going to take care of it. But, um, also people say, well, I come across this elk and carcass and nothing, they never come back ever. So obviously they just kill it for fun. They spree killed. And I say, okay, well, wolves are not coyotes. Wolves have a very instinctual fear of humans for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, they rarely attack people. They're pretty shy. There's a reason that hunters have a hard time getting them. Um, but they don't like people. And so if you're tromping around that elk carcass looking around, you've now just like laced the entire thing with your scent. If you're in there with a snowmobile, they can smell that, the gas, like they can smell everything. They're not going to want to come back to that area. Um, so they probably won't. And it's going to look like they just killed those elk or those deer just completely out of a whim or for fun. Um, that happened in Wyoming in 2016. There was, um, I believe, 16 elk, two calf, or, uh, 14 calves and two cows that were killed in a, over a couple nights, maybe even one night, at a feeding area in Wyoming. Was this the uh, uh, Lolita pack or the... It's 2016. I don't know the exact pack. Okay. I'm just curious. Cause someone messaged me on Instagram and was like, what about the Lolita, Probably Lolita, Lolita Probably. elk herd or something like that? And I just didn't know. So, okay. Uh, I, people also talk about the Northern Yellowstone herd, which yeah. is another, but, um, but the interesting thing is of course they found the elk, uh, right after they were dead. So that very day. And so, of course, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, there's a, they, like, they, like, swarmed around the area. And, of course, the wolves aren't going to want to come back to that, and they're not going to. And then what they ended up doing is literally just throwing the elk out. Like, so they completely wasted all of that meat that could have actually gone, like, into the natural system. Um, but because it was a feeding farm where those elk were, um, special areas where people, like, will feed the elk in the wintertime, um, there's a higher human presence around especially during the day. At night, not quite so much. Um, also, those elk uh, were younger. The there was They were elk calves and cows, so they're younger, they're smaller, so they're easier to take down. Mm-hmm. Um, and what people also don't understand is wolves have a giant risk anytime they are killing an animal. Um, wolves like rarely will top 110 pounds, an elk weighs anywhere from like 500 to 700, 800 pounds. That is a giant animal. 
even for a couple of wolves trying to take it down. One kick, you're dead. Even if you get an injury, you can starve to death. It's a giant risk. If you do not think you can get that animal and then consume that animal for your own greater good, then you're not going to want to try it. Um, they can't afford, or they're not human beings who like trophy hunting or hunting for fun. They can't afford to take that risk. Well, human hunters usually are like shooting from a scope a zillion yards away. Go after that 800-pound elk with a knife and see how well that goes for you. Yeah, and they don't want to expend that energy too. I mean, that exactly. resource. Exactly, huge energy expenditure that yeah. you cannot afford as a wild animal. Yeah, Absolutely. it's all about animal behavior, honestly. Yeah, um, let's how let's talk about how wool how wolves kill their prey though. Let's talk about yeah. that because. Um, I mean, that obviously doesn't help them either because <laughs> no. it is very, it's not, it's, not, it, it's nothing really, I, I don't think I've ever seen a full, because a lot of the nature documentaries won't film, yeah, film the full, like mm -hmm. that, that full kill. They'll like do another shot of the mountain and then show some crows flying off and oh, the animal's dead. But let's just talk about how they actually kill the elk. Mm -hmm. Um, so wolves are coursing animals, which means they run their prey down. Usually they're not ambush predators like cougars. who will just jump down. Not that that's easy either. They're just different. They're just built differently. Um, so they chase down their prey and then they sometimes will run it to exhaustion. That is one tactic they have. There's a reason for that. Some people are like, that's torture. They're like just playing around with it. There's actually a reason for that. That's a huge, huge animal. Even with like two, three, four, five wolves. Huge, huge animal. By running it down, they have a much better chance of it being too tired to kick or too tired to put up much of a fight, which means that they probably won't be hurt as much. So there's that one. And then there's the actual tearing into the hindquarters kind of things. It seems a bit cruel. There's also another reason for that. That is the quickest way to immobilize it away from those giant antlers. Um, and that's also that easiest way to like tear into an animal for um, any sort of blood loss that'll kill it faster or like bring it down. If they can, wolves will bite an animal in the throat and kill it if they can. Sometimes they don't, but they can. Okay. Um, but it looks like a giant like bloodthirsty feed fest is what it looks like. Uh -huh. But it's really just they're they're just doing it to survive. It's just survival. And even sometimes um, wolves will sometimes eat prey alive, like prey alive, or as it's just dying. That's also a very natural thing. And one of the biggest reasons for that is kleptoparasitism, which is basically when another predator takes another predator's food. Um, the most stereotypical example is hyenas. Um, hyenas are stereotypically scavengers who take lion kills, although they have proven that hyenas and lions kind of steal equally. Another story. But... By tearing into your prey alive and consuming it super, super, super fast, you um, exponentially decrease the chances of someone else coming and taking it. And that's another survival thing. And so it looks nasty, but I guarantee you if the only way for you to survive was to kind of start eating as it's, as it's going, then you're going to do that. That's the only way you're going to live. Yeah. Yeah. Do they disembowel like, um, like wild dogs? Is that what you're uh, They can. They okay. can. Wild dogs, wild dogs tend to disembowel quite a bit more. And let's actually talk well, about disembowel. Well, are not fun. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about disembowel because some people are like, dis a who? Like, because a lot of people have never seen this on nature shows. You don't see this behind the scenes on Nat Geo or Animal Planet because it is, it is nature and it's very raw. <laughs> oh, nature is not all those like planet planet earth i love planet earth i love That's planet not earth quite as pretty not quite as pretty as that <laughs> it's the not an hd well, wait hold on. They get away. hold on let's actually this is such a side note but did you feel like planet earth too like you had to think like there had to have been some type of cgi or some type oh, of enhancement because we were watching the ocean my wife and i and we're like the ocean wait oh, yeah. a second hold on how do you do that <laughs> yeah and we yeah, looked it up they actually got caught. Um, I didn't get get caught, but I think they did enhance some of the stuff because some of the footage was just almost. Oh like, yeah, yeah. That does not surprise me. But yeah. honestly, I was still on and I was like, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. Oh yes, and I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to say this is. I, I love Planet Earth too, and Planet. You know what I mean? I think it's a great story. Oh, yeah. I think they just enhanced it minimally. I don't think it was like fully, but you could definitely tell some of the scenes are like, wow. <laughs> They're like, they're hurting my eyes. They're so bright <laughs> and so sharp. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a reason they cut away from, like, the brutal 
Um, people also don't realize how much animals like will scream as they're being like eaten. Yeah. It, it's not pretty. No. Um, it really isn't. And a lot of people say, well, like, how about you like watch an animal like die and get like torn apart and then you won't like wolves as much. I'm like, I have. And it's nature. It just, ha- it just, that's just how it is. Yeah. It's okay. not fun to watch. It just, that's just how it is. Okay. So let's get into that. Was this in Africa when you saw your first kill? Uh, no, so we only, we saw, uh, we saw a lot of aftermaths of kills. Uh, we saw a hyena kill something. I think it was a cheetah cub, which is very sad. Oh, It was God. hard to tell. Oh, hard to tell. I know. I know. Uh, it, I love cheetahs. It was sad. I also see, couldn't really tell. Hold on. And this is so messed up because, like, if it was, like, a gazelle, I would have been like, oh, okay. But then now it's a cheetah. We're like, it's, uh, yeah, you know, know what I mean? Like, it's like, I should feel sorry for all the animals, but it's like a cheetah. Yeah. What? Okay. I, know, I will say the amount of wildebeest and impala I saw, I'm like, honestly, I'm cheering for the predators all the way, man. There's so many of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so we did see that. <clears throat> the reason I think it was a cheetah cub or some sort of cub was because all the hell I needed was grab it. The, the grasses were very tall. That's why we couldn't tell what it was. Um, they grabbed it, shook it around for a while, and then left. It didn't eat it. Really? Um, and it's a hyena. Hyenas do not just kill and leave things. They eat they just everything. Don't. Yeah. They eat everything. Um, but a lot of times what we find with carnivores is when they're killing other carnivores um, out of interspecies competition, so between species, um, they'll very much less likely eat that animal. Um, it's kind of similar to how we are uh, much, e- uh, it's much easier for us to eat a deer than it is to eat a monkey. They're more similar to us. Um, or that's just not I've never what they're looked used at to it. Eat. I've never looked yeah. at it like that. It's true. I mean, besides some people in Asia who, and around the world who eat primates, but yeah, that totally makes sense why we don't eat, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Never looked at it like but, that. But um, that was not pleasant. Uh, it is fascinating from the from the point of view of we saw what happened. Um, but it's uh, not to be cheesy. It is the circle of life. But I have seen um, – so so what I do is a lot of times I'll – on Instagram or on YouTube, I'll watch – just because I study carnivores, I'll watch more in-depth hunt videos or, like, breakdowns. I'll slow it down. I'll look at it. I like looking about, like – I like looking at um, like conditions, like what made the animals choose to do this, what made them back out of it, kind of things like that. Um, I've seen some pretty brutal things. Um, there was one I was an- analyzing a hunt from Wild Dogs. Um, they actually killed a pregnant Apollo. Oh. And, uh, yeah, still alive, took out the fetus. Oh, it, was, it was bad. Um, it, was, it was brutal. But that's just how nature is. And so I tell people that, when they're like, well, like, if you've seen, like, wolves, like, Tara pregnant, I've seen, I've been told this before, like, Tara pregnant elk open and eat it and it's baby, you wouldn't feel that way. I'm like, yeah, I would. Just because it's no different than the sympathy of a wolf hunter and then he's leaving these cub, or, uh, these puppies to starve to death when he takes the mom. Yeah, let's talk about that because I feel like a lot of people don't understand and I feel like hunters don't understand, and maybe I'm just making some rash, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I'm making just some rash judgment, but I don't feel like when you kill one wolf, I don't think they think about the trickle-down effect. And and I never thought of that either until I read a book. Have you read the book Beyond Words by Carl Safina? Oh, don't think I have. It's, it's solely about wolves. It's uh, actually, there's like, there's three parts to it. He does orcas, elephants, and wolves, but he okay. goes to Yellowstone and one big part of the book is wolves. And he is with uh, Rob McIntyre, that really famous wolf ah, guy in Yellowstone. Yes. I've been Rob trying, is a legend. I know. I'm trying to get him on the show. I think I'm actually going to get him in October. Um, hopefully. <gasps> I know, right? I'm going to Yellowstone in October. Really? See? this? Yeah. Cool. Are, are you going to meet Rob? <sighs> I wish, probably not. Oh, I'd send him an email like, hey. Anyway, I so, so sidetracked. But what I was going to say is that I, I was reading the book and I didn't realize, you know, you kill one wolf and then it has this trickle down effect to where the whole family, even the whole family group, it's completely destroys everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wolves depend on each other for survival. They've actually proven that wolves are more socially intelligent, like social solving, uh, social problem solving, social communication than domestic dogs. Okay. There's a reason because domestic that, dogs yeah. don't care if their like quote unquote brother eats that day because they're getting their food. Yeah. Wolves though depend on each other. Um, for a uh, mother that's feeding her uh, 
for speed. I don't know why I keep saying cubs. Uh, for a mother who's feeding her. Well, we're talking her, uh, about her, other animals, so. <laughs> for a mom who's uh, feeding her babies, um, we'll just stick with babies. Um, packs, <laughs> the pack mates will uh, go chow from miles, like 20 miles, and bring back food because she doesn't leave for two weeks when she's first uh, taking care of them. So she relies on them for food. Mm-hmm. And in turn, those hunting wolves rely on each other to kill enough meat for them, then to have enough energy to carry it back to the mom uh, while she's um, feeding. And also, yeah, it's it's definitely a trickle-down effect, even if you get rid of one wolf. Even if it's not the breeding male or the breeding female, that could have been the best hunter. That could have been the best runner. That could have been the best, I don't know, sniffer out of elk. Could have been anything. Um, and also, this is like a big part of my research, is looking at does actually killing wolves help your livestock and um there's a thing called social disturbance when um you kill social predators like wolves um it relates a bit to coyotes um so let's say you take out a couple wolves in a pack there's actually there's a fantastic example of this in idaho in idaho in 2013 there were about 180 sheep killed in one night by wolves oh wow oh but by yeah it was oh wow by two Okay, in the wolves' defense, okay, only, yes. about <laughs> only about 10 of the sheep had uh, bite wounds or attack wounds. The others died of suffocation because they stampeded like the Lion King and just they died. Oh, um, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't hear that in the news. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but, um, but the thing is, in that area, there had been a huge amount of control on wolves and on wolves. So those two were basically the only ones left in that area. They had killed like 12, 13. And then this huge event happened. And there's a reason, and it's because you now have um, these wolves that cannot take down prey as easily. And guess what you're going to go for? The really easy things like sheep that are stupid. Um, Elk have a survival instinct. Only the very sick or old or diseased or just dumb ones will run from wolves. You're not supposed to run from wolves. That's like wolf behavior 101. If you see a wolf, do not run. Um, Sheep don't know that. Sheep are sheep. They scatter. They scatter to the wind, except they kind of run in circles. Yeah, and, 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 so, I, and I, I do want to say that sheep are intelligent, but when you're talking about something they haven't evolved, oh, yeah. like with wolves, yeah, because I don't want someone to be like, well, actually, I mean, I, I think I understand <laughs> what you mean, but they yeah, just they haven't know. evolved. Yeah. Okay, go they ahead. Don't know. Yeah, yeah like, they the don't elk know. have evolved with wolves. Yes. The sheep have not. Yeah. <clears throat> and they'll run in circles, and that triggers the wolf's prey or chase instinct, and woohoo! Yeah. They're dead. Um, so that's another thing about killing wolves is a lot of times it doesn't even help things. Even if you remove an entire pack from an area, in Washington right now, it's a disaster, honestly. I used to love Washington. Not so what they have, yeah, it's really sad. So they, um, they have a good idea is that you must implement non-lethal methods before they kill wolves. Um, but anyway, this one rancher who you're allowed to – Graze your livestock in a national forest. And this was in Colville National Forest. To me, that's ridiculous. If you're bringing your livestock into a forest, what's going ha- to happen to them? Um, but apparently this one rancher, and I believe it was 2016, it was called Prosperity Peat Pack. Um, they were killing uh, some of the livestock there. Eventually they exterminated the entire pack. Yep, we just talked uh, about this, yep. And then just recently, it happened again because that opened up a territory and new wolves came in and they killed all of them too, including four month old puppies. Uh, it was not a good isn't week. It, isn't it just one rancher too? It's, it's one like, rancher. Take, oh one. my God. It's They're responsible for 80% of Washington wolf deaths. Have you emailed this rancher personally? I don't think that's a good idea. That's not a pleasant idea. <laughs> I won't be very nice. What would you say to the rancher? I mean, at this point, it's just a hatred thing. Yeah. And there were even claims that he did try the non-lethal methods, which was range riders. Um, which is what? To get back which is range what? riders. What is that? So Let's talk about that. A range rider is kind of like a cowboy, I guess. It's okay. someone who is usually riding a horse, kind of watches the sheep. Human presence deters wolves great. So it's a great non-lethal method. Mm-hmm. So um, as I said, in Washington, you have to have non-lethal control attempted before a lethal um, attempt is made. Um, so he claimed he did that. And according to court records, he did, but then let them go off his property. And 
for this uh, for this pack, it was the old Profanity Territory pack in August that got killed. Um, 12 out of the 14 livestock attacks occurred after he made the range riders leave. And apparently, also according to these court documents, which I have not looked at, cannot verify, but this is just what I've been hearing, um, he was purposefully bringing his livestock to rendezvous sites, which is where wolf, wolves, when their puppies are a little older, they'll bring them to a new area. And uh... Rendezvous sites or old den sites just to instigate to get rid of them. Mm. So at this point, like, it's, I, I'm never one to say never, but at this point, I just think that Washington needs to realize this rancher is not willing to work with wildlife or predators. And it's going to keep, it's, it's, it's very clearly just going to keep happening. There's, it's opening up a new wolf territory and Hold they're on. just going to keep coming. How old is he? So maybe hopefully he'll die soon. Yeah. <laughs> that's a joke i'm imagining like a 90 year old no it's not a 90 year old it's i mean he's probably older generally older generations are ones that are yeah. um not as friendly towards wolves that's not strictly true no, but i okay on his side i can understand with the livestock loss i get it but yeah definitely. It's, it's like taking me to a chuckarama buffet like something's gonna get yeah. eaten like i don't you know they're, yeah. they're taking him in the forest like i don't know like i know but it's like it's also like a heavily like they know he knows they're there yeah like that's, yeah what do you think they're gonna do okay. just walk past this slow lumbering cow that has no instinct against wolves yeah. Like, that's easy food, especially with puppies as winter comes up. Now, hold on, Aspen. Now, now, is his argument like, this is my only area to graze, or can he go to other places? I can imagine he can go to other places. Colville uh, National Forest is public land, and that's an entire debate altogether. It's okay. public land. There's more public land available. I mm. do not know his argument. Um, I don't even know his name, just solely because I did not want to get too deep into it. Um, uh. But... Uh, he was he was vehemently against wolf reintroduction, and um, unfortunately, for a lot of people who are vehemently against wolf um, reintroduction, it's very hard to change their minds. And then, um, if you can take action against them, like he is doing, and he's doing it, I will give him credit. If 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 to give him the benefit of the doubt, if him and his family are trying to do um to move their livestock accordingly to instigate they're doing it so cleverly it's technically legal um it's not poaching he's not poaching the wolves he's basically manipulating the environment so that they don't stand a chance and they're going to get killed by someone else it's a very brilliant tactic honestly if that's what he's doing where do you see the wolf population in the lower 48 in 10 years do you think it's going to be going up you think it's going to be going down I honestly think it will stay about the same as it is right now. Really? Um, there's enough people who are pro-wolf that they're not going to get exterminated again, I don't think. I don't either, and I have to say that is one good thing about social media is there are a yeah. lot – I mean because mm -hmm. back in the day, 20 years ago, you wouldn't – all you would get is like the main media outlets or, mm -hmm. or the newspaper yeah. here – fully you know for you know against wolves and this and that and you'd only get their opinions but now yeah. you have organizations like the wolf conservation center in new york has like millions of followers on oh yeah Facebook. Like, uh, it's, it's great well great place um i yeah. i think it could go up a little bit okay i just the problem with wolves is too they're extremely political it is a huge politics thing and it is that is that is what honestly crushes me almost most that the people who are making these decisions aren't even the most qualified individuals. There was an act passed uh, in the House, not the Senate, thank God it stalled. It was called the Manager of Wolves Act. It was, it was introduced by a um, Republican senator from, I believe, Wisconsin or Minnesota, one of the two. Um, it was basically to try to take wolves off of the Endangered Species Act, um, yada, yada, yada. Um, I actually went through the entire transcript of that house meeting. Oh my god! And um, it was ridiculous. It was both sides, Democrat, Republican. I'm an independent politically, just because it's just it's a disaster. But the Republicans' argument, I, the opening statement was, "Do you like Bambi?" <laughs> to be like, they're like no. killing, I guess, the deer, and then they showed a picture of a dead bear with a wolf standing beside it, and said that wolf killed the bear. I'm like. 
Are you kidding? Oh, no. A wolf pack will occasionally kill a bear. It's rare. It sometimes happens. It was a single wolf. That's like saying a single hyena killed a male lion by itself. It's ridiculous. And even hypothetically, if it did happen, that's nature. Um, the Democrat side for arguing against the act was, quite frankly, not much better. He opened up with, like a, I believe, like a sappy quote, and all of his stats were outdated. And honestly, just the whole process was a political power move. And um, the only reason the uh, act was like brought into like debate was because um, they were trying, the Republicans were trying to avoid some Middle Eastern crisis bill. So basically, they just used it as like a fill-in. Then um, that's what I'm saying about politics. It's very political. Okay, so you mentioned black bears really quick. This is just yes. a thought coming to mind. Why do you think we haven't like villainized black bears? Because black bears account for a lot of you know elk, yeah. you know calf fatalities. Like, why do you think it's all? Why? Why is it the wolf? Is it just why? <laughs> like so, honestly, why do you think? Um, I've thought about this a lot actually. So bears are responsible for more livestock attacks, and they're more responsible for calf. I I didn't know deaths. that. I, I didn't know more livestock. They're more responsible for livestock. No way. Ooh, I'm writing livestock that down. Attacks. I had no idea. <laughs> they are. Okay, taking notes. Um. Basically, everything is with wolves. It was hilarious. According to the USDA, vultures were more responsible, barely, but they were. Vultures were more responsible than wolves. Um, that one was barely, but it was still blew my mind. Um, that was 2015. Um, but wolves and people have had a extremely vehemently bad relationship since the get-go. If you look at Europe... Uh, in medieval times, wolves were bad. People hated them. Um, they were considered omens of death. They were considered um, devils. And frankly, a lot of that comes from the Bible. Um, the really? Bible is every single verse in the Bible about wolves. And there's, I think, I looked all of them up. There's like 22 of them. Okay. They're all negative. And they're I did used not as know parables. That. Yeah, it's extremely negative. It's kind of the, it's a parable, an analogy used with Jesus as the flock and the sheep. Wolves are oh. trying to come. Yeah. Is it just kind of like clothing? how like Adam and that Eve comes from the Bible? and how like the snakes no, have been not villainized? Adam no, no, I know, but I'm thinking like snakes on the other hand have been villainized yeah. for yeah. so many. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Oh my God. I yeah. can't. Okay. I'm, I haven't read the Bible fully, so I'm okay. Go ahead. Same. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so stuff. <laughs> it has this huge, huge impact because obviously Christianity, like root, like everywhere, it's everywhere. And so that had a huge influence on citizen, uh, like on citizens. It had a huge influence on colonization as people came over. Wolves were considered the wilderness in North America. And in the wilderness, the wilderness was to be controlled as colonizers came over. That's why Native Americans were uh, a lot of times condemned. They were considered devils or demons or just unlawful. Um, they were part of the wilderness. Um, and people wanted to get rid of them. They saw themselves as stewards or shepherds um, and killed as many as possible. One of the most common ways to kill wolves in New England, um, they were wolves in New England, uh, was oh. basically to form a giant human barrier of hunters, usually boys and men, and like a ring around like a forested area of people armed and move in slowly and kill everything that either tried to escape or as they were moving in. Um, it was a very popular way of killing them. And then, of course, Westward Expansion, Manifest Destiny, all of that jazz. Um, people considered wolves, again, something else that had to be conquered. How were the Native Americans and wolves? I didn't think they coexisted pretty well, right? Yeah. So that that's something that's interesting. So um, especially, so I actually, um, on my mother's side, I have a pretty good amount of Cherokee. Okay. Um, but the Native Americans, I believe there's only like two accounts of tribes having negative views of wolves. Um, wolves were extremely admired. They were considered um, very similar to people in their way of um, social behavior, cooperation, relying on each other. Uh, the fact that a lot of times wolves will mate for life or until one dies, which I guess is still mating for life. Um, they were highly revealed for their hunting skills. So a lot of times Great Plains tribes would... Um, perform sacred rituals before hunts um, uh, in the name of the wolf to like embody that spirit. And so that then they would go on and uh, for a successful buffalo hunt. Uh, and Cherokee legend or um, beliefs uh, to kill a wolf is to condemn your spirit. 
And the only way to get out of that is you have to have that weapon blessed um, by a, um, a religious figure. Okay. And even then, probably you're not off very well. But yeah, Native Americans rarely killed wolves. Um, there's this... I. Someone said that like Native Americans ate wolves or puppies or something. That's not true. Okay. Sometimes they sometimes they did eat domestic dogs. Um, oh. That was not very common either. Okay. Uh, Lewis and Clark ate ate dogs too when they were starving. I didn't know that. I mean, it would make sense. Okay. Yes, so. They were desperate. Hmm. Um, but no, wolves were like it was considered taboo to eat wolf meat, so they didn't. But yeah, Native Americans and wolves have always had a very good relationship, and yeah. that's something that's so fascinating to me. And it has to part to do with possibly like culture and religion, like European colonizers had that influence of uh, Christian religion and kind of the idea of imperialism bringing in their ideas and beliefs and consider even Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt hated wolves. And I was honestly shocked to hear that. But he's a great he, conservationist though. I, yeah, I know. He, he was quoted me of saying like wolves are like, yep, this is paraphrasing like wolves are the epitome of like, darkness and like destruction in the wilderness and must be destroyed that and i don't think like you know fairy tales like you said back in england oh yeah those don't know. help either yeah. little red riding hood a bad wolf oh yeah i was watching um oh a few years ago beauty and the beast when they did that scene with the wolves and i thought oh man like mm -hmm. with disney I oh, thought, yeah. oh this is awful pr for wolves you know like it's yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah. oh man yeah definitely um, the boy who cried wolf, like oh, yeah. all these stories are always villainized. Honestly, like the Jungle Book is a redeeming quality for we got one. I guess you're right, the Jungle <clears throat> Book. Yeah, what would you? Because we are near an hour. What would you like people to know about wolves? What would be your like your last, Like, what would you like people to know? So wolves are essentially wild mirrors of ourselves, and that is also why I think we are in such hatred and love for them. They're so polarizing. People either love them or hate them usually. But I honestly think that we see ourselves as them or through them. And even hunters who are prejudiced against them or don't like them or think they're killing the elk and the deer because they're going out and don't see them. They're thinking, wow, the wolves are better hunters than I am. And that's why they're succeeding and I am not. And they almost want to be that animal in a sense, not physically. Um, but they are so people, um, scientists actually think that wolves co-evolved with humans. Um, and that that's how us as primates started exhibiting very unusual hunting behavior, like running after working together, watching wolves, that kind of thing. Um, so we co-evolved with wolves and, um, we formed a, this love hate relationship with them. And I just honestly wish people would stop to think for a minute every time they want to make an assumption, good or bad, about a wolf. Like if they see a dead cow or a dead um, elk, think of the circumstances. Why did it leave it? Why did it kill it? Think about just using animal behavior as opposed to just your rash ideologies of what you've been taught or what you think. And just realize that um, we don't own the wilderness and no matter what your beliefs or what you make your living on, nature's always going to get you in the end or just get civilization. Civilization can never completely tame it. And the wolves belong here. This is their home. We can do our, we did, we slaughtered them um, in droves with poison and traps and choking them to death, burning them alive. Like at this point you can try to coexist with a population that's in 10% of its historic range. That's just what I wish people would think about. Wow. Aspen, you were, uh, I honestly had such a good time talking to you and Thanks. you, you're so knowledgeable. I, you're so passionate, you're young and you are a great example, even for anybody listening. Cause there's a lot of people who listen to the show. You've just all like all around the world who think like, Oh, I'm just one person. I think I, maybe I, I, I can't make a difference. And you're a living example that yes, you can. And you can take on these topics yeah. and I'm just, I'm so proud of you. And I, I see so much success in your future and I just, yeah, I would love to have you back on the show. Like let's, let, let's, have, let's have another discussion. To. I'd love to, as my research kind of, we're getting into the final analyzing modeling process of it. 
So maybe in like the next year or so as I get into grad, I'm trying to go to graduate school somewhere like Wisconsin or out West Okay. Um, with the wolves physically. I'd love to talk again. Please. Just absolutely. to be able to reach out. Yeah. Thank you so much. And then and I'll also include the links in, in the show notes so people can find you on Instagram, correct? What yeah. Hand, what, what handle, yeah. What handle can they it's follow It's Pounce you? Conservation. Pounce so, Conservation. Okay. Yeah. It's just that. It's also, um, it's the link in my personal bio or not a link. It's in there too. Um, I also have a website. Okay. It's very long because it's annoying, but um, that's where I have because Instagram can only do so much in the Department of Information. Yep. 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 Um, so I also have a website for that, and um, I can just send you that. Um, yep. <laughs> it's useless out loud, but I'm also on. It's, it's also on Facebook. Um, I don't really use Facebook that much. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm still very slowly building it. But again, it's the same handle. Pounce Conservation is the same one. That's awesome. Makes my life easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will include all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I seriously, let's touch base in a year. I know you're going to get into grad school and I cannot wait yeah. to hear more about your research. So congrats on all Thank your you success. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. This has been great. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.